0: Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life.
1: We can help your company and your employees look forward to tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life.
0: Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. Later in the show, I'll be talking to Colum Keane of the Irish Times about the settlement between the five adult children of businessman Sean Quinn and IBRC. Colum talking through the history of this long-running legal battle and explains why he believes the state was right to spend millions and millions on legal fees pursuing this case. But first, Laura Slattery joins me in the studio to run through some of the major business stories of the week. Laura, you're very welcome.
2: Thanks, now, Kieran.
0: Mark Zuckerberg uh, came to town on Tuesday. What did he have to say?
2: Yes, he had a whistle-stop tour of Dublin on Tuesday and he was visiting Facebook's European HQ and I think he really wanted to meet uh, Helen Dixon, the Data Protection Commissioner, but alas, she was in Washington and their schedules uh, clashed. Um, He did meet with um, three members of the Oireachtas Communications Committee, that's uh, Hildegard Nocton, Eamon Ryan and James Lawless, who are also members of this uh, International Grand Committee on Disinformation and Fake News. And really what Mark Zuckerberg had to say was a repeat of what he's been saying in various op-eds in newspapers lately, which is this apparent concession that yes, Facebook does need to be regulated. Uh, it shouldn't be making all the decisions itself on harmful content. And also the uh, slightly odd one that uh, you know, GDPR, that's the European uh, Data Privacy Law, is a good foundation for, for data protection uh, across the world.
0: Uh, Interesting, isn't it? I mean, self-regulation has been proven in other sectors not to work. We can think of accountancy and law. The guards uh, were effectively involved in self-regulation for many, many years. It doesn't really work, but yet there's something, there's just something doesn't feel right about Facebook calling for an end to it and calling for Internet regulation. It's as if um, they're trying to pass the book, uh, kick the can down the road maybe at the same time, because if there's going to be some sort of global regulation of this, it'll probably take years and years uh, to be formulated, and even if there is regulation by governments, some sort of global or even a, a regional regulation, it'll probably prohibit uh, rival startup rivals to Facebook from being able to get into the market.
2: That's right. I mean, there's been a lot of, uh, I think, healthy scepticism about everything Mark Zuckerberg has had to say lately. And um, one of the uh, suggestions, of that one of the ways in which he is perhaps being a little self-serving, is in this, you know, sort of concessions on, on, on GDPR and certain types of, uh, of data privacy um, that, in fact, at this point, although Facebook heavily lobbied against all of this, it's it's actually, you know, it's got the deep pockets in order to cope with certain regulations that, as you say, uh, smaller startups might not be able to actually, um, you know, afford in the same way. Um, at the same time, he's also, you know, at the same time, he's been holding on to this principle of data portability, which is important to Facebook. Um, Explain and, that to
0: us. What is data portability? Well, uh,
2: basically, essentially, just being able to transfer uh, people's data between services, being able to move it from one to another, uh, and uh, you know, he says this gives people choice and enables developers to innovate and compete. But that's all very nice language for actually uh, something that gives Facebook and its people like Google an incredibly uh, large amount of power. Um, I think within all of this uh, talk about regulation, uh, at no point will Mark Zuckerberg say uh, Facebook is is too is too big. Uh, to regulate, You know, it's too big to self-regulate for sure, but it's actually also too big to regulate. What really should be happening is perhaps is the breakup of Facebook so that Messenger and Instagram and WhatsApp, all of which is, is part of the company, uh, would be forced to, to go set their separate ways. But in fact, at the moment, he's uh, working on integrating those services even closer together, which will make that harder if regulators mm. do decide that's what should happen.
0: I wonder if this change of attitude to regulation is uh, somehow down to the influence of Nick Clegg, former <laughs> Lib Dem leader in the UK, uh, deputy prime minister.
2: I don't know about if Nick Clegg is that influential. He was pictured in Doheny and Nesbitt's pub there on Tuesday. Nick Clegg, he's the head of global affairs now these days for Facebook, and Zuckerberg was also in the pub. Well, he a- he's
0: he's he's f- like he's clearly attuned to the political space, uh, Clegg. And you know, if you're trying to come up with a solution to a problem, particularly one that cuts across uh, policymaking and um, politicians uh, in all of the big Western societies, uh, certainly. You could just see how Nick Clegg might say, well, actually, do you know what? Put it back on them. This is the way to go. If they, I mean, this is probably... Yeah. A a force that's you know it's it's an argument that's going to be rolled out uh, time and time again. It's it's there's momentum behind this view that there should be regulation. So why not meet it head on?
2: I mean I don't know how much of it is his uh, <laughs> idea, but he's certainly a good hire for Facebook. He's he gets he gets people in the door. Uh, or he, he rather he, he sort of uh, eases the sort of transition when if, if and when Mark Zuckerberg and his fellow executives of Facebook decide they do want to meet politicians um, he can sort of, uh, he's the middle man he's the perfect middleman, Nick Clegg but of course they spent a lot of last year not wanting to meet politicians so this is a bit of an about turn uh, we had the sort of apology tour last year and this is the kind of the oh we're going to take responsibility tour but there's huge amounts of problems at Facebook or rather they're at, they're at the centre of a huge amount of issues. Uh, It's not just disinformation and, and fake news. There's election integrity, data privacy, data security, hate speech, free speech uh, essentially uh, what we've seen lately is the real time uploading of, of barbaric acts and that's part of a wider problem of harmful content and that maybe Facebook can't solve on its own you know maybe Mark Zuckerberg is correct to say that but also maybe they just don't want to actually pay to solve it in any, in any shape or form yeah.
0: I suppose the good news for Ireland Nick, if you like is that Facebook continues to grow its operations here it has plans for a new Campus for its international headquarters, and Mark Zuckerberg did speak on an RT interview. with will go, but he did say that Ireland was a great place um, in which to train, lots of great talent, and all of that.
2: So he'll be back in Donnie and Esbitz again mm. at some point in the future. I think that's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, let's look forward to that. Now, EBS—they've um, put some uh, terms and conditions. Let's say around its very generous cashback offers um, that it's that are applying to mortgages at the moment.
2: Yeah, so EBS had this cashback offer for switchers, which is uh, 3% of the mortgage you could get back as a, in a sort of a incentive for mm, switching. They've increased it, haven't they? Yeah, it was up from 2%. So this is a real um, competitive marketing tool that all the lenders have. But EBS is actually the last of these lenders, as I understand it, to uh, introduce a restriction on it so that you can't, um, you know, keep, basically, keep doing it. Uh, so what it's done... Just to stop done, people gaming
0: the system, Yeah,
2: I mean, you could, yeah, yeah you call gaming the system or just basically <laughs> trying to beat the system. Uh, but, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's basically you can't do it on, uh, if you haven't been with your previous lender for at least one year. Um, so what was happening, people were doing it multiple times. They said, uh, I guess you could say gaming the system, but there was nothing, you know, at that time to prevent you doing that. And, you know, some people were claiming to, earn, to, to save uh, or receive as much as, 18,000 from doing this uh, multiple times within the one year. Yeah, so
0: they'd go in, they'd take this cashback offer from EBS, they'd hang around for a couple of months, I suppose, and then they'd switch out and take the cashback offer from PTSB or Bank of Ireland or whoever uh, and gain money there and probably switch out of that then uh, very quickly because these mortgages... It's attractive to get the cash back, but the rates that are being offered are actually higher um, than you should yeah. expect to pay. And
2: that's why I said beating the system rather than, than gaming the system, because the system is not necessarily fair. You know, fair. Um, these offers are, are very you know attractive on paper, but over the long run, uh, what happens is people go oh great they take the money but then as you say they, they're paying the higher rate so this was the you know it's only ever really proactive people who switch anyway so this was the mo, you know the, the savviest of the proactive switchers working out how they could make this work in their favour um, and one by one all of the lenders have now kind of uh, clamped down on that and you do wonder um, you know given that there has been these criticisms of, of you know the transparency and the sort of uh, slightly uh, over-complex uh, nature of the cashback deals whether they will last that much longer
0: yeah there is pr- uh, pressure isn't there from the opposition at political level um, to scrap these and just to have the banks offer the best value mortgages uh, in their headline rates rather than offering these kind of promotions
2: yeah, I mean, everyone wants it to be possible to switch around. That, that's an incredibly important principle in all of personal finance. But if you're doing it through slightly, <laughs> you know, if it's not clear, um, yeah. if people don't know. Mind what's you, it's hard to value. feel
0: sorry for the banks, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, given what's yeah. happened over the last uh, I don't think I feel sorry so. for them
2: at all on this on this case.
0: All right, so good, look, <laughs> good luck to that person who uh, moved three times and got 18 grand
2: yeah. from
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> switching. Now, there's been a global music industry report. Tell us about that.
2: So I love this. This is um, I love uh, just this nerdy of stats that you get out of. This is the global music trade industry body, the IFPI. I won't spell out what it stands for, and um, this is the fourth consecutive year. Uh, that they've seen a rise in revenues. Obviously, there was a you know, deep collapse about a decade ago.
0: So, is this down to Spotify and the like?
2: Yeah, well, that's a big part of it. So, we had 9.7% growth overall last year, but that was driven by 34% rise in revenues from streaming. And streaming uh, now accounts for almost half of total global recorded music revenue. So, and, and paid subscriptions within that is 37% of the total. Um, just compare that, like physical sales are now 25% of the market and there's a bunch of other things in there like performance rights and so on. Um Digital downloads, that kind of in-betweener category, that you know we saw again about a decade ago before the rise of the streaming services like Spotify. They're only twelve percent of the market, and they're actually declining at a faster rate than physical music. Physical music is down as ten percent last year. Uh, digital downloads. What do are we down. mean by physical music? Uh, physical music, vinyl CDs. Because um, vinyl's
0: making a comeback, isn't it?
2: Yes, but it's still a smaller element of the physical uh, market. Uh, CDs still, you know, people still buy CDs. Really? There's other um there's other uh, formats, but uh the CDs and vinyl are the main two. There's a nice margin on vinyl, so and it has a kind of a hipster uh trendy edge to it. it, it in, in some in some niche parts of the industry, um, so actually it's not you know this growth isn't happening uniformly over the world. It's uh, South America and regions like that where we're seeing the the, the best growth. But um, certainly it looks like paid streaming subscriptions is working for the music industry. They they found a way to make money from it, and okay. you know Any the
0: Irish artists near the top of the list.
2: Oh, I can't remember if there was any uh, Irish artists in the top ten. I don't think there was. In fact, the top artists were uh, Drake, uh, BTS, so I think so- South Korean, and, and, and Ed Sheeran. I guess he's got a, an Irish connection, but he's uh, he's British. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the top song was Camilla Cabello, uh, her song "Havana," which is a great song. And the Greatest Showman uh, soundtrack was the highest uh, grossing album um, in there. So uh, it's a it's a mixed bag.
0: All right. Do you have a subscription to Spotify?
2: I am a user of Spotify's free ad-supported service. So, no, I don't pay 10 quid a month, but I do heavily use them for kind of discovery and, you know, just uh, checking checking out certain things that I might either um, discard <laughs> or actually uh, buy. buy in, in physical a physical format. format. Yeah. Excellent. Old-fashioned. Right.
0: Okay, Laura, we'll leave it there. Thank you for joining us. We're going to take a short break now. When we return, I'll be talking to Colm Keane about the €440 million Euro settlement agreed in court this week between the liquidators of IBRC and the five adult children of Northern Ireland businessman Sean Quinn. Back in a few moments. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees
1: think about their future. For more, go to IrishLifeEmpower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015.
0: Welcome back to this Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. You can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes and it's also available on our website irishtimes.com forward slash podcasts. Now on Tuesday the long and bitter litigation between the Quinn family and state-owned Irish Bank Resolution Corporation was settled with a conditional judgment for €440 million Euro agreed in the High Court. Under the terms of the settlement the five adult Quinn children have consented to judgments for just more than €88 million Euro each. The execution and registration of the judgments will be stayed on condition that they take steps to help secure the return to IBRC of valuable assets in their international property group. Both sides have also agreed to meet their own substantial costs of this marathon litigation. The Quinns initiated their legal action eight years ago as Anglo-Irish Bank owed some 2.9 billion euros by the Quinn Group, moved to take over group companies. IBRC, into which Anglo was nationalised following its collapse, brought a parallel action over a scheme to strip hundreds of millions of euros worth of assets from the Quinns International Property Group. Colm Keane of the Irish Times has reported on the various twists and turns over those eight years, and he joins me in studio now to discuss this uh, settlement. Uh, Colin, you might just maybe take us back to the beginning. Um, how did this all kick off? Well, um,
1: I suppose as most of us know Sean Quinn was gambling against the, the Anglo shares. He had contracts for difference. He had taken a major stake. or a major stake wasn't publicly known. Then when the, the, the share price began to decrease in value, he had to get more money to, to shore up uh, his his investment or his gamble, whichever way you want to put it. He borrowed more money from the bank to, as part of this exercise. And it, during that process, some of the collateral used was the property group that the children owned that uh, included property in places like Russia, um, the Ukraine, Turkey and India. So all these... Uh, all the Quinn Group uh, businesses and properties got subsumed or dragged into this uh, gamble. Um, Anglo collapsed. Um, Anglo then exercised its uh, its collateral, seized the Quinn Group, and then had a share receiver appointed over the foreign property group. So that was the end of the Quinn Empire. But he um, didn't take it very well, and and argued that uh, you know there was a, there was an unfairness involved. Then the family took a, a case against the uh, the bank, um, saying that the, the loans that uh, that the bank had, that the Queens had taken out to support the share price two point three four billion euros yeah, they were illegal uh, loans because they were uh, the money was being used to support the share price. So that that case has been pending now for years. And then separately, the bank went to assert its ownership over the the, the international property group which was worth about half a billion euros and um, found that uh, he was being frustrated in doing so. The family admitted in around 2011 that he put in train an international um, scheme for trying to frustrate the bank in exercising its control over the, uh, its ownership of the international portfolio. And uh, that became a second uh, high court case where the uh, bank was alleging conspiracy against the, The family so those two cases were uh, lumbering on then for years. Um, Meanwhile, um, the uh, industrial holdings up in the border, Cavan border, were uh, taken over and being run by uh, um, initially by the bondholders, representatives of the bondholders. And there was vandalism and intimidation and so on of the new management. And elements of that persist up to this day. So the whole thing has just been a really sorry saga that's reflected very badly, I think, on um, the Quinn family. The supporters of the Quinn family have said that, we'll wait till we get our day in court. Wait till we show these loans were illegal. This will all come out, you know, it'll all come out eventually, we'll have our say. But they're not going to have their say now because they've settled. And uh, it looks like essentially their position has collapsed.
0: Yeah, now part of the reason for the delay in this was because criminal cases uh, in relation to certain senior executives of Anglo-Irish Bank, including the former chief executive, David Drummond, who's now in prison, they had to be heard uh, first before these cases could progress. That's right. Yeah, the criminal issues have to be dealt with before the civil.
1: Everything we're talking about here now is civil. They're civil proceedings.
0: Now, um, there were five Quinn children involved in this, uh, Sean Quinn Jr. and his four sisters, Aoife, Brenda, Kira, and Colette. Just explain their roles. Why were they involved uh, as opposed to their father, Sean Quinn Sr.? Well, they had signed documentation
1: collateral against the loans that were being taken out by Sean Quinn Sr. to support the, the contracts for difference. They also owned the property group. That uh, owned the the holding company that owned the property group uh, abroad and, and other businesses in the Quinn Group. So they signed uh, over these these assets as collateral against the loans that the father was organizing. And um, so they, but want, they were
0: claiming that they were oppressed in all of this, and that basically they were effectively innocent parties. They didn't really know what was going on. Well, they're all they're all adults. They're all adult children,
1: but they they argued that um, the bank mistreated them they argued that the loans were illegal and they argued that their father was an undue influence
0: and um, and that last and, point was actually struck out by the yeah, court yeah and
1: no so, sorry so they they were their arguments and um the the one about the loans being illegal that was that argument was was thrown out by the supreme court they were told they couldn't argue that and um then they were going to argue that they, they they, should, they weren't properly treated by the bank. The bank should have had a duty of care towards them, essentially. Um, um, but And that was the argument they were going to make. But then as the case, soon after the case opened, they, start, they wanted to enter in a new argument that they were um, unduly influenced by their father. And they, they were told they couldn't do that. And it was after that the negotiations began.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about the settlement that's been reached today—a four hundred and forty million euro settlement. We're told, but it's a, it's a conditional uh, judgment, isn't it? And it requires the um, the children of Sean Quinn Senior to take steps to return to IBRC certain valuable assets into International Property Group. Tell us about those assets, uh, Colin. Where are they? What are they? And who owns them right now? Yeah. Well, there's there's a a it's
1: commercial property. There's a very nice uh, office block. The soft Tower in Moscow. There's a shopping center, Univermag shopping center in, in the middle of Kiev in Ukraine. There's uh, commercial units in a place called Q City, I think, in Hyderabad. Mm-hmm. There's property in uh, Turkey. So there, there are various commercial properties, and the children had shares in the company that, in turn, owned the property companies in these various jurisdictions that um, own the properties themselves. There was a very valuable portfolio of about half a, half a billion euros, maybe more, you know, in its, at its height. And um, when the bank seized the company that sat at the top of the ownership structure by calling in its collateral, it found that when it tried to assert its rights then in these various jurisdictions, really bizarre stuff started happening. So you'd get companies from the British Virgin Islands and Belize and nobody had ever been heard of and they had just been formed. Uh, a few months previously or whatever turning up saying they were owed tens of millions by the company that owned the property so when you had people walking into the court in uh, moscow in kiev and saying here's a document i'm owed 10 million and the judge saying fair enough you owed 10 million or you owed 20 million or whatever and the idea then being that they would be able to get ownership of the building in default of the money not being paid and very very strange stuff like that very very strange rulings being made by these courts. It's called corporate raiding. It's a really well-recognised process in the former uh, Soviet Union, but in, in Ukraine and in Russia. This way of making false claims in the courts, maybe, you know, bribing people along the way or having connections and so on. And, you know, getting debts assigned to you and so on and grabbing stuff that doesn't belong to you. And a lot of it, it appears, depends on who's got the most muscle. One of the key issues or key moments in in this whole saga was the ibrc uh, uh, as anglo became known state-owned body had to decide whether it was going to spend millions and millions in legal fees fighting this conspiracy all over the globe and you know there were court actions happening in all the different hemispheres and all the different regions of the planet really you know there were court actions in the united states in Central America all sorts of places so they decided to go to not to put up with this and uh, to fight it even though it was going to cost a lot of money I think that was a good decision but it has cost a lot of money and um, so one of the things that happened along the way was they went into bed with this group called Alpha Group in Russia who were also very strong in Ukraine sorry who went into bed uh, sorry the IBRC Yeah. and I think you know certainly it looks to me like um, they thought well somebody's up to no good in um ukraine and moscow and you know there's no point in sending sending over your best lawyer to argue the best company law points in these courts because you're not going to get your way but if the, the court or the system knows so you need to decide you got some other big personality this alpha group is owned by a couple of oligarchs yeah. someone connected connected to the Kremlin, really powerful business figures and so and uh, so that was seen as you know shifting the balance really heavily in favor of IBRC and against queen or whoever it was that was acting in 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 cohorts with the, with with the queens or else who double crossed Quinn's. Quinn said they set this thing in motion, and then these people in these other jurisdictions so the started double crossing them.
0: Accused of stripping assets from this international. Yeah, and then they said for their that, own benefit to keep them away from IBRC. Then, when
1: they were told to stop it, they said, "Well, the people who are doing it and they double crossed us, and they're taking it from themselves." Now, these but these IBRC groups, didn't buy that yeah, alibi. Yeah, that's did right. They? That's right. They didn't buy it, and then this Alpha Group came in, yeah, and they said, "Well, you get so much, you get this property back." And then eventually you can you can get a cut of the value of so it. How did that work out? Well, really badly because then Russia invaded uh, the Ukraine and a lot of the value of this property disappeared. So that deal was sort of unwound and never worked out. But it did end up costing the IBRC and therefore the public purse, I'm told, something in the region of 25 million euros. So that was it was a costly uh, exercise that didn't bear any fruit. So meanwhile, the, you know, all these court cases were going all around, the, going on around the globe. Uh, the IBRC was making slow progress in asserting its rights over some mm. some of these properties. Um, meanwhile, a lot of rent had disappeared, a couple of tens of millions in euros again. It's believed that some of this money was used by the Quinn Group to pay mm-hmm. for lawyers they'd engaged in Dubai, in Moscow and Kiev and elsewhere. And other money maybe had been snaffled by, by people who double-crossed the Queens. Yeah. P- probably know, never know the answer to that. So all of these things added to a cost which probably costs the, the state so in the excess of 100 million.
0: what are the chances of this 440 million judgment being delivered upon or settlement being
1: delivered upon? Well it seems now as, as far as I can understand it they're, they're saying to the Queen children you better tell us everything you know tell us where all your assets are tell us what happened during all this conspiracy uh, scheme your, show us your dealings with these uh, lawyers in, in different parts of the jurisdiction and um We'll we'll save what we can, you know, seize what we can, and um, and then if we feel that you're not acting in good faith. It process the judgments. I presume that's the,
0: that's the. the but presumably, the Queens don't have sufficient funds to repay four hundred and forty million. No, but they might have or some. Ass- close they to might it. have
1: some assets, and it might be, you know, it might uh, focus their minds to think that they be be made bankrupts. You know.
0: Yeah, it's worth reminding people about Sean Quinn and the size of the empire that he built, because um, he subsequently became bankrupt. But he said in testimony that he gave uh, in relation to this case, this was uh, during twenty twelve. He said he left school at 15 and with honest and honesty and integrity built up companies which employed 7,000 people. This is on border areas mostly, mm. Cavan and uh, Fermanagh, where obviously employment uh, would have been, uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't have been, you uh, know, would have been in great supply. Uh, he maintained that Anglo was a, a reckless bank that robbed him and his family of their wealth, their pride, their dignity. He choked back tears when he referred to Anglo's underhand takeover of his companies in 2011. He accused Anglo of having raped the Quinn group, of having bankrupted him for €3 billion, having wrecked Ireland and bullied me out of office. And he told IBRC's Paul Gallagher, uh, Senior Counsel, that since the Anglo takeover of his companies, he wasn't particularly concerned what happened to their assets so long as Anglo didn't get them. And of course, we know that there's a huge support base for Sean Quinn uh, around the border areas. You mentioned the intimidation that has taken place against uh, former group companies uh, still operating up there. There were massive protests uh, down in Dublin as well against uh, political moves being taken. Against uh, Sean Quinn, he still has a lot of loyalists,
1: uh, shall we say? Well, I think I mean th- blaming others. Nobody forced him to to invest heavily in Anglo Irish Bank or to use very very dangerous uh, contracts for difference when, when when choosing to do so. It was a reckless gamble, obviously. And furthermore, it's he himself had endangered his whole business empire a couple of years previously when he dotted on the, uh, invested in the, the dot com bubble and he'd he'd put in place arrangements and promised he wouldn't do it again and then when the property bubble happened he, he got caught up in that so I don't think it's really uh, tenable that he blames others for his misfortune he brought it on his own head and he's a grown man and he's a very experienced businessman And I, I mean I don't think that argument goes anyway although he's obviously very emotional about the whole thing in relation to to support for him the, um, the uh, what I'm told is there's a lot less support for him now than there was you know Back a few years ago, uh, the, the 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 closer you get to Ballyconnell, the more support you get. But a little bit outside of it, the stuff is waning now. It's it's that the, the strong the strength of the support is 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 dissipating. And you know the argument always was wait till they get their day in court, and they'll show you how badly they were treated by Anglo and so on. And now that's just collapsed.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean some of the salaries they were paid as well. There, there have been details in various uh, court proceedings um, to date about salaries that were paid through them and um, they were cross-examining the five children in two thousand and thirteen about how they spent about two and a half million euro patron from Russian companies after the bank insisted their evidence about their two thousand eleven employment contracts uh, was completely unbelievable. I mean that's just incredible. Two and a half million euro yes, from yeah. Russian companies as part yeah. of this international we,
1: property group. And we have and at a time when it wasn't it wasn't there. You know, it wasn't their property anymore. And um the uh you know, we've had the evidence about money's been taken out of the Quinn Group to pay for lavish weddings and so on. A million quid, and yeah. A million quid for a wedding. I mean, you know, it's very it's very strange stuff. The and the Sleeve Russell Hotel, which was part of Sean yeah, Quinn's... And family. I think we have huge question marks now with hindsight about the books of Quinn Insurance and whether they ever were adequate, adequately... Uh, uh, were, were they ever, ever able to really cover the insurance that they'd, they'd issued. So... And you know, the bill for the that
0: administration is a billion, a billion euro plus, and people are paying uh, a levy on their motor insurance um, to this day, and will be for many, many years to cover that, that cost. That's
1: right. It looks like th- this this company that that was apparently a very profitable insurance company apparently wasn't making profits at all. So.
0: I mean, given what you said earlier, a lot of people, a lot of taxpayers out there might say, well, why? Why were we pursuing these people for so many years, racking up massive legal bills, racking up huge bills with the liquidators and various uh, costs, no doubt, millions and millions and millions. We haven't had the final tot for the legal bill, but we know that um, IBRC is on the hook for its share of the costs and it must run into millions and millions at this well, stage. Yeah,
1: no, no, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, first Why? of all,
0: the, the property was worth a lot of money
1: and it, we've got most of the property back. So the property will pay for the fees, but a substantial um, proportion of the value of the property will disappear you know, because of the fees, because of the deal with the Alpha Group because of the missing rent and so on. So it's it's somewhere north of 100 million maybe 120 130 million has been wasted because of this big you know out, outrage huge massive outrage against the Irish public terrible thing to have done and um the the property is probably worth I don't know what it's worth 300 or 400 million so it'll cover the cost but I mean the money could have been used to build some sort of you know better schools or
0: you know could be so when we add up and add it down or will will the state have actually come out with oh a, yeah I think a surplus at, should come say. out
1: with, come out with a surplus and a t- but I also think it would have been outrageous I mean we'd throw our hats at it if we'd let somebody get away with something like this that would have been totally wrong and as I understand it back back now I'm not entirely sure and it would be great for the public to to, to hear properly but when when the bank became aware that the family were trying to assert uh, frustrate the bank's efforts to um to to take control of these properties, um there were discussions and talk of a payment to the Queens. Now, somebody I was just talking to there said the figure was about we'll settle up, we'll stop this effort to frustrate your your asserting your rights, and in in return for payment of forty million or something of that of that nature, you know. Uh, and apparently the Department of Finance were against that uh, as a notion. I think that was a good idea. You know, sometimes I think it's good to, to look at the bottom line and, you know, these, these are big numbers and you have to take the money very, very seriously. But there are other points of principle that you really have to stand over, I think. And, you know, you, you can't really let people get away with this kind of stuff. You know, these are very, very, very wealthy people. Access to the best of lawyers. All they do is pick up a bloody phone. They own loads of stuff. They run they work in insurance companies, they know about contracts, they know about responsibility, God knows, they know about money. And then to try um frustrate a bank out of its collateral for sums like this at a time when the state's finances were on their knees. I don't think, you know, you can't let people get away with something
0: like that. And where does this go from here? Is there a, another staging post where they go back to court and they have to show, they have to demonstrate that they've... They've been actively working on this settlement with IBRC? Yeah, again, I, I don't
1: know the detail on that, but obviously if the bank feels that they're not getting the cooperation they expect, they, they, they'll, they'll go back into the courts. And if they get all the cooperation, they I presume they'll go back to the court at some stage and tell them this is over, but how long that'll take, you know. Yeah. And it is a very murky, difficult business because there's so many actors involved now around the globe, you know, and whether you can get them all to cooperate or whatever, you know. All right, well, a long
0: and sorry saga, it must be said. Uh, Colin Keena, thank you for that. That's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Laura Slattery and Colin Keena. Declan Connell produced the show with JJ Vernon as sound engineer. You can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today, email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed each day on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.